Before we get back to Door to Eternity, please consider this amazing offer. Hey, I've got a question for you. Do you have a cable bill or a phone bill or any other monthly bill for things like internet or home security? Of course you do. Well, guess what? You're probably being overcharged and you're not alone. Millions of Americans are overpaying on their monthly bills to the tune of $60 billion a year. What if you could pay less for the exact same services? No, really, no change. And then use that extra money for things that make your life better, like a family vacation, college tuition, or simply taking some me time. Sound too good to be true? It's not. You can put your savings on autopilot. We'll analyze your bills and negotiate on your behalf so you won't pay any more than you should for the essential services you use every day. You don't pay unless we can save you money. When we lower your bills, we'll split the savings with you and you'll get the same or better service than you have today for less money and no hassle. We know because we've already saved our customers millions of dollars on their essential services like mobile phone, internet, cable, and more. You send us your bills, we lower them. It's that simple. Stop overpaying today. Send us your bills. That's all it takes to start living your life better. Just check us out today at mybillreduce.com. Mybillreduce.com. Welcome. You are about to enter the Door to Eternity podcast with your host, Jesse Carter, who provides you with a rare viewpoint of end times prophecy explained by a normal everyday guy who guides you down a simple roadmap toward taking advantage of your eternal destiny. You're standing at your door to eternity. So come on in and join us. Welcome to Door to Eternity. We're starting a new episode today. My name is Jesse Carter, your host, and I'll be bringing to you some very vital information, I think. And some of it's complicated, but I will try to break through the complication and give you the whole scoop from the perspective of just a regular old guy knowing how to read scripture and hopefully have been given wisdom to do so by God. Let's start with a little bit. Today, I want to bring you to the topic of the return of Jesus Christ. Now, that's a topic that a lot of people have talked about. A lot of experts, a lot of, you know, big Bible gurus and so forth. Now, some people refer to this as the second coming. As we know in history, Jesus Christ or Jesus the Messiah has come once about 2,000 years ago, and we have that recorded in the Holy Scriptures, but also by numerous, and I mean numerous, volumes of historians, uh, artifacts, attesting to the fact that he was a real historical figure. Even the hugely popular broadcaster Bill O'Reilly wrote a book about it. You can find that on Amazon, by the way. And he gives all of the historical accurate data around this person named Jesus of Nazareth. That is where he was raised at. Of course, he was born in Bethlehem, according to the Holy Scriptures, just as prophecy has announced. And that's what we're here for, to talk about prophecy. So you might be skeptical. You don't know anything about the Christian faith. You might say, well, I was raised in the church, but I've been told by my pastor or my reverend or whoever 
that half the Bible is fiction or it's a myth or it's a, you know, metaphor. It's just filled with a lot of things that aren't really accurate. And let me tell you one thing that I have to lay down. It's a foundation. We all have to have a foundation, somewhere to start, somewhere to build our life on, some place, something that helps us start. And that's where this foundation is. And as you, if you do know scripture, or if you don't, Jesus is the foundation stone. He's the cornerstone, as many refer to him as. And he even refers to himself that when he's talking to Peter as the little stone, he refers to himself as the big stone, meaning mountain, meaning beyond big, and he can accomplish big things. That's what he's trying to get across to Peter. But even as a little stone, as, a, as Peter means, rock, he does tell him that he can do big things too. So anyway, before we get off the subject there, this is about the second return of Jesus Christ. Now, there are two segments to his return. A lot of people get confused by that. One will happen in the blink of an eye, and he will come as a bridegroom to retrieve his bride. Who is his bride? His bride is the church. His bride are the saints, those people that have become dedicated to become his disciples and have given their life to him because of his eternal gift to them for eternal life. Remember what this is all about, the door to eternity of eternal life. Now, there is another way that you can go, not through a door, but it's down a path through eternal destruction. And let me highlight something briefly just before we get into this topic of the second return or the return of the Messiah. There are three things on the horizon right now, prophetically, three things, and let me lay them out for you. First is the rapture, which is imminent. It's the first part of the second return of Jesus, and I'll discuss that here in a minute. Okay, so the rapture is the first one. The second one is the war of Gog of Magog, and many believe that's Russia and his compatriots, and we will talk about that on a future episode, but if we know anything about what's happening now, we know that Russia is opening up a path to the sea, a southern access through Ukraine, and that's probably why the war was started more than anything. They have to have access. Russia is directly north of Israel, directly north. This plays into prophetic teaching. We'll talk about that more, but you can also look it up on BibleHub.com. I've mentioned to you before that you can do that. Just type in Bible in your browser search engine, and then type in the War of Gog of Magog. You will find a lot of things to read about until we get to talking about it you know, later on. And then the third thing, and that's, I think this is very important, the Antichrist will be revealed. Now, just pause just a minute. We've seen a lot of movies about the Antichrist. You do have a real Antichrist, someone who is just the opposite of Christ. Christ, we know, is kind. He's loving. He's generous. He embraces humankind. He loves us. Just the opposite of that is the Antichrist. He hates us. He wants to see humans destroyed. He wants to use any means to diminish and delete the human race. And we'll talk about that more 
as we go, but it's close, my friends. Many pastors, many experts now believe that person is here. And I say he, it is a he. It's very clear because what he does is he tries to imitate Christ in everything you can imagine. So he will be a he. He will probably say that he is from Jewish ancestry. He will say many things that mimic or imitate the life of Jesus Christ. He will use the right words. He'll say the right things. He'll quote scripture. But if you know scripture, holy scripture, you know that Jesus even talked to Satan himself, the devil, who is not the Antichrist in the first part of the Antichrist's life or exposure. He takes him over later. But Jesus Christ did confront Satan and say that he does know scripture very well. So they will use scripture towards people who think they're Christians. And if you've listened to one of my earlier episodes, you know that there will be many Christians, quote unquote, left behind. And we know that in the scripture of the 10 virgins, the parable of the 10 virgins that Jesus actually quoted. You can look that up again, type in Bible, then the 10 virgins or the parable of the 10 virgins. And you'll read more about that. But there'll be five taken, five left behind. Five will become the bride. They will be scooped up by the bridegroom. And who is the bridegroom? It is none other than Jesus Christ or Jesus the Messiah. Just in case you want to know, sometimes people call him Yeshua. That's more the Hebrew name. Let me stop and tell you the story about the bride and the bridegroom. It's very important to know this story because you will understand how this plays into Scripture and the prophetic realm once you know this story. It took me years before I heard this story and then figured it out. And it fits and it goes right from the story that Jesus was talking about, the parable of the ten virgins. They're all claiming to be Christians. So they're prepared for their bridegroom to some extent. Half of them will go with the bridegroom. The other half will be left behind. And Jesus himself, the bridegroom, will say, I don't know who you are. And so what he's talking about there is there will be people claiming they were born Christian or they belong to some church or denomination or they think they know God and they really have never given their heart, you know, like a true bride would to her future husband, totally unsacrificed, given your heart to the one you love forever. That's what that story is all about. The other five who were left behind had never given their heart to their love, or they claimed their love, or the person they knew. Jesus never felt that love, or the bridegroom at that time never felt that love, so he doesn't know who they are. And you can relate that to human life, human stories. We've all had tragedies of love and heartbreak and things of that nature. We may have married our soulmate. Maybe the one for us is right around the future. But as it is, we all understand that message to some degree. And that fits into the rapture, as we'll talk about. But here's the story. Jewish tradition has it that there's a father, there's a son, and the son needs a bride. So the father goes out and negotiates for the bride for his son. And he negotiates, he finds the woman that's perfect for him. And so what happens is 
he secured her for his son. Now his son has to prepare for that. So this bridegroom is betrothed to this woman or this bride, and it's sealed. There's no way around it. He's not with her. He's not around her, but it's sealed. It's a done deal, and soon they will be together. And so the tradition goes that he goes and pays the price for her, the dowry, whatever, the ultimate sacrifice. He, He provides everything he can to secure her. He gives his whole life. Well, we know the story in Scripture that Jesus did the exact same thing. He gave his life for those who would accept him as their Savior. So this bridegroom does this. He goes back to his father's house and tries to prepare a place for his future bride and bring her into his own. So what do we know about that? Well, Jesus said that. He says, if I'm not here with you, he's talking to his disciples, if I'm not here with you, I've gone to prepare a place for you that you may be there with me also. So it's all fitting into this story about the bride and the bridegroom. So he's back there, and incidentally, he's there now preparing a place where it's called the New Jerusalem, and it's hard to explain, but it will be massive. It'll be a massive place where only the Christians and the bridegroom will live. Now, I'm trying not to be too complicated or get in the way of my thoughts. There will be a time of seven years, and it's called the tribulation. After that seven years has ended, at the second part of the return of Jesus Christ, the second part of his coming again, it will usher in a millennium, a 1,000-year reign of Jesus Christ and his saints. Humans will still be on this earth. They will have escaped the death and the wrath during the tribulation. Uh, They might be good people. They might be bad. Who knows? But they will have escaped death and the tragedies that occur during that terrible time. So they will repopulate the earth, repopulate the planet, and humankind will continue on. This is not a myth. This is not a story. It's actually recorded in the Bible if you look there carefully enough. But it's the millennial reign. So anyway, at that time, during that seven-year period of time, the saints in Christ are in heaven celebrating the marriage feast of the Lamb. That's what it's called, the marriage feast of the Lamb. And the Lamb is the Lamb of God. That's his alternate name. And we know that lamb, lambs were used as a sacrifice. You sacrificed a lamb in the ancient times to God to cleanse yourself of your sins so that you can stand righteous before him. Now, I'm just giving you what the scripture says. I'm not stating anything odd. If you're not a Christian, I know this probably all seems odd. This probably sounds strange to you. And if you are a Christian and you're still not familiar with it, it may seem strange as well. So anyway, the Lamb of God, we're at the marriage supper of the Lamb for seven years. Well, here's what happens in the rest of that story I was telling you about. Once that bridegroom has prepared his place He has been told by his father to go back and get his bride. Now, does he know when his father's going to send him back? No, he does not. And Jesus actually states that in Scripture. He says, I don't know the day or the hour when I will return. Only my father knows. Now, here's the quandary among people that think, well, Jesus was just a man. Well, he is God. He does know what's going to happen. But let's play out this role in this story that I'm about to tell you. 
So in the days of the Jewish calendars, there are seven feasts. And one of those feasts is called the Feast of Trumpets. And we know that Jesus will come back at the last trump. Again, look that up in the BibleHub.com, the last trump. And it talks about when that last trump is blown, then he will be coming back to receive his bride or gather the saints, so to speak. Jesus is saying he doesn't know when that trump's going to blow. Why? Well, in the story, in the Feast of Trumpets, it's the only holiday or feast that people don't know when it will end. During that time frame, there was a, there's a hundred trumpets blown to celebrate that Feast of Trumpets. The 99, they all hear, they all know, but they don't know that hundredth trump when it's going to blast. And that's because it's over a two-day period. So when the priest gives the okay, the priest who's in charge of that gives the okay, then that last trump is blown. But we don't know it's the day before or the actual last day that it will be blown. You'll never know the exact hour that it's blown. That's why Jesus said, not that he doesn't know, but he said, I don't know the day or the hour. Now, we know the season, and Jesus talks about that. We should know the season. Now, let me give you his quote on that. Okay, this is in Matthew 24, verses 36 onward. And Jesus is actually quoting, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they were oblivious until the flood came and swept them all away. So will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day on which your Lord will come. But understand this. If the homeowner had known in which watch of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. For this reason, you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour you do not expect, End quote. Now, it's interesting when you hear about, he says, the thief was coming. Who was on either side of him at the cross? Two thieves, right? And he even talks about, he comes as a thief in the night. What, is, what does thief mean? He comes to take something that belongs to someone else, and it's not expected. It comes secretly, you know. And so right now, if you do not have Jesus Christ in your life, if you haven't given your life over to him, then you belong to somebody else. Now, we're all going to serve one person or the other, one master or another. We are beings, and we all come underneath the authority of some other being. It's either going to be Jesus or it's going to be the devil, Satan. So we have no choice in the matter. We think that we can become gods one day. I've heard people say stuff like that. There's a lot of cults out there that talk like that. It's all nonsense. You're not going to be your own God. You're a created being. Uh, Or you're not going to be at the point where you can make decisions all the time on your own, as if you were your own God. Think about that. He comes unexpectedly. And that's because his father, in the story, his father says, go. At that last trump, he will come and gather 
his own to himself. And what does he do? In the story, he takes the bride back to his home that he has prepared for her at his father's house, and they enjoy a seven-day marriage feast, and they invite all of the father's friends. Now, these are the Old Testament saints, those that came through faith. Remember, we talked about faith in one of the first three episodes. Faith is everything just about. So they came to God by faith, and we know that Abraham's in heaven. He came by faith because of the story around Lazarus. Uh, that's another story. Look, BibleHub.com, Lazarus, death of Lazarus, and that was Jesus' best friend or one of his best friends. He talks about that at length, but we know in that story, Lazarus is in paradise, and there's another man who is in torments. That's the place it's talked about in the Bible, and torments, you can say, probably is the, the opposite of paradise, okay? And so he's in anguish, he's hurting. Anyway, so Lazarus is in a very good place, but we know he's in a place that they call Abraham's bosom. So we know Abraham's up there, and Abraham's bosom is another way to say paradise, okay? So getting aside from that, we have a marriage supper going on, and it's for seven years. Remember seven days? Well, we know in Scripture, a thousand years is as a day to the Lord. So a thousand years is one day to God. I mean, eternity is nothing to him, right? It's just even a blip of time. Eternity, or even time, which he created, is meaningless to him. But he did it for our sake so that we can record things and we know the, the season and the hour. And so let me give you that little scripture about the season. And this is how close we are, folks how close you are to eternity. You have to make a decision. There's no putting it off. Don't think you've got years or decades. You've probably got days, months, year at the outset. This is getting close to the time of the end. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew 24, verses 32. He says, quote, Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branches become tender, and sprout leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you will know that he, that's capital H-E, is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. End quote. That last statement, my words will never pass away, means that it's sure to happen. It will happen by his will. It is going to happen, and there's no way around it. You can be assured of that. Now, getting back to that story, we're not, we know that times are near, and I'm going to give you some evidence of that, and we're going to talk about that more, but just know that during that seven years that we, or you and I, as a part of the bride of Christ, are in that marriage celebration, the, just the opposite of that is going on down earth during the tribulation. So one of the things that is stopping bad times from happening on this earth is the Holy Spirit being in this world, meaning he is preventing bad things from getting worse. And the Holy Spirit lives in Christians. It's hard to explain. I don't have the time to explain it right now, but the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He comforts Christians. That's why Christians have so much joy and peace. And they just know that this world is temporary. 
When asked how we would get to heaven, Jesus said you must be born again. Remember, in previous episodes, I talked about this briefly. We are like in a womb here on this earth. We're in a womb. In that womb, we're given sustenance, you know, all of our oxygen, all of our food, and everything in the first womb that we were in keeps us alive, keeps us healthy, keeps us happy until we are birthed into this, you know, this earth. And, you know, babies cry, so he doesn't, he doesn't like it. Just know that's the same kind of here. We're here in this womb, and we're surrounded by the Holy Spirit. He's in us. He's with us as Christians and giving us that knowledge and that assurance that we will be in heaven with God one day. That is eternal life, you know, for that sense. So anyway, once the Holy Spirit is taken out because the Christians or the bride in the scriptures talks about has been taken by the bridegroom, there is nothing left on this earth to hinder the evil to come upon the rest of humanity. There's nothing so all the worst in men will happen. All the worst will, will come about them, and they will go through it. And those left, those five virgins in that story we talked about, that are left, that think they're Christians, they still can be redeemed. They still have a chance to get through this and become, you know, go to heaven or, or be in eternal life. They chose wrong. They got lazy. They weren't ready. Whatever. They didn't believe. We talked about in the last episode, there are many reasons why people don't accept Christ. Whatever the reason, you know, I was born this way. I was, my mother and dad was a Christian, so I must be a Christian too. Or whatever it is, they never gave their heart to their true love, which is the bridegroom, which is the son of man, which is Jesus Christ. So we are in the marriage supper of the lamb during those seven years. And at the end of that, Jesus will come for the second part of his second return. Now, it seems silly, but just keep in mind that seven years when he first comes and he gathers his bride, the saints, the Christians that are on this earth, that will happen immediately. It will happen at the blink of an eye, and we'll be taken up and with him in the air. He never touches his feet to the ground on the surface of this earth like he did the first time. So that's why people get confused about this. But it is the first segment of his return to earth. The real time that you see people talking about the second, the return of the Son of Man, is mostly when he touches down on this earth, when he comes not as a bridegroom, but he will come as a ruler to reign over men his creation. So let me read to you the scripture concerning that, Matthew 24, verses 30 onward, quote by Jesus. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. So the first segment we talked about when he comes is the rapture. And that's when the tribes of earth will not see him. No one will see him. He will be in the clouds. He will be in the air. And he will gather his church, his saints, his bride to him at that time. The second part, when he comes with great power and great glory, 
will be when he comes to subdue the remaining parts of mankind who have rebelled against him or rebelled against God. So that's when he will come and touch down on the earth and start his millennial reign. So many scholars believe that creation happened in six days. I believe that. A lot of people say that that's impossible. It takes millions, maybe billions of years to create this world. Well, there are scientists who actually have figured out a way that this could have not happened that way. There is a museum in Dallas, Texas, called the Institute for Creation Research, or ICR for short. You can find them on the web at icr.org, icr.org. And they actually give credible scientific evidence about the six days that the earth was created. Yes, real science. And it's just the opposite of evolution, what we've been taught in schools. And so it's well worth looking into that. But anyway, without getting off track, getting back to our story, is that the second return of Jesus Christ is in two segments. First is the rapture. The second is when he comes to subdue the armies of the world who are rebelling against him and are following the Antichrist. Don't let it confuse you. We'll get more into this as we go. So that's it for today's episode. For the TheDoorToEternity.com, this is Jesse Carter, and I'll say by his grace, take care of yourself. Before we get back to Door to Eternity, please consider this amazing offer. Would you like to make money with your own world-class online store and shopping cart system? Or do you already have a store and are tired of paying extra for every little ad on app month after month with no end in sight? How would you like to secure a robust basic e-commerce shopping cart system for free, with unlimited products, custom domain setting, and so much more? Have you desired to have an e-commerce business, selling physical products, and zero inventory? Well, if so, then this is the system you've got to try. It has everything you need to start selling online in one place. You can even design and add your own merchandise right into your own branded storefront. It integrates with many payment processors too. Plus, if you are brand new to e-commerce, it has tons of ready-to-use templates, along with top-notch training, to lead you by the hand, in setting it all up. Right now, the basic system is totally free to grab. Go to shop.doortoeternity.net. No credit card is required. Again that's shop.doortoeternity.net.